0: Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits.
1: I say, America, stay out of the bushes. Look for the union label. And to secure
0: these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From
2: my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this
3: president, he will get reelected.
0: It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan.
4: Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm every yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, i allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights we feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed-thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's com. Don't forget that email address, alan at com. That's A-L-A-N coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday. This time, don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturdays, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's Right, The Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week again, all thanks to you. And by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right, please get out of the thought control business. Our topics de jour, you may have heard, well, Manhattan D.A. Bragg is prosecuting Trump for violating 2016 federal campaign finance laws. This despite the fact that the statute of limitations has expired, uh, that the Fed's already uh, found insufficient evidence to move the case forward. And, of course, uh, also Bragg's key witness, Michael Cohn, uh, is a convicted perjurer. So WTF, folks, <laughs> what's all this about? Also, former House Speaker Pelosi tweeted on Trump's indictment, saying, quote, everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. Thus, of course, <laughs> using an inverted burden of proof pretext for a moronic conclusion. Isn't the order supposed to be innocent until proven guilty and not the reverse? What a schmuck. Also, the Missouri and Louisiana censorship case against the Biden administration heats up as witnesses testified before Congress saying that the White House and other government personnel perpetrated, quote, the largest speech censorship operation in recent history, unquote. Uh, doesn't that equal tyranny? We talked a bit about that yesterday. Anyway, before I go any further, let me go ahead and introduce all for the show. Larry Clayman, founder and former chairman of Judicial Watch. Uh, he's also current chairman of Freedom Watch. His latest book is the highly praised work entitled It Takes a Counter-Revolution. Wake up, America. Larry, good to have you back. How are you today?
5: Uh, doing fine as well as anybody, Alan. Yes, uh, I'm happy to be back. Thank you. No,
4: always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Now, as I've mentioned before, Manhattan DA Bragg, he wants to prosecute Trump for violating the federal campaign fi- finance laws. And he wants to do it by using a three-bank shot without the cushions necessary to get there. I mean, the statute of limitations has expired. The Fed's already found insufficient evidence to move the case forward. Bragg's key witness, Michael Cohn, already lost credibility uh, for being a convicted perjurer. He also loses that credibility again by having his own lawyer, Robert Costello, testify to the grand jury saying that Cohn admitted to him that he and not Trump paid the alleged hush money to Stormy Daniels. And now, of course, we learn that the conspiracy to defraud portion of Bragg's case is missing its required theft component. Now, aside from the shock value of indicting a former president, former President Trump, what other value is there to this case, Larry Klayman?
5: There's none, but this is typical, Alan, as I've said, of the complete corruption. Of our legal system. It's corrupt top to bottom. It's why Freedom Watch, and you can see it at freedomwatchusa.org, has its own citizens' grand juries, its own citizens' trials, and we meet out justice ourselves peacefully and legally. Uh, this is a sham. In the words of Woody Allen, as I said before, a travesty of a mockery of a sham, of two travesties of a mockery of another sham. <laughs> but here's the bottom line I don't want people to be mistaken. This is not an appropriate prosecution. But President should be accountable under the criminal law. Joe Biden should be indicted, and that we have indicted him. And, in fact, we're trying him for bribery in communist China, Ukraine, and Russia, and negligent homicide in Afghanistan. So for those people that say that somehow a former president or a current president should be immune, no, I don't buy that. But the fact is what's coming down the line with Trump, and this is just the beginning of probably two or three additional indictments before hanging juries in the district of columbia uh, with regard to alleged tax evasion and fraud and january 6th alleged sedition it's an effort to take trump out and this is what is going to happen regrettably in the end Uh, it will take him out no matter how much you think otherwise Uh, he's riding high right now in the polls but he's going to be so bogged down and having to defend himself uh, there's no way that he can effectively run for president.
4: Well, hold on. he's got three legal challenges going on that I'm aware of. Of course, he's got this indictment out of New York, which I don't think is going to go anywhere because the statute of limitations, whether you look at the state level or the federal level, is gone. I mean, denotatively or connotatively, there should be no case just with those facts alone. I mean... Sometimes we can't see the forest of clarity for the trees of minutiae. But, I mean, if the statute of limitations have run out, it's run out. I mean, unless language is no longer tethered to the meanings of the words that comprise it, there is no case after statutes of limitations run out.
5: I, I admire the fact that you still have some faith in the legal system. Trump is trashing the judge as we speak. This judge has ruled against him in the past. This judge hates him. These judges don't care about the law. They do what they want to do for political purposes. Well, then, Larry, what's going to happen government. if what
4: you say is absolutely universally true and we no longer have checks and balances or, or, or their appropriate reciprocal checks and balances, then essentially we have leaders who are dis- disregarding the very Constitution from which their powers are derived and to which they're each subordinate. And the degree to which they dismiss the Constitution is the extent to which they correspondingly undermine their own authority granted to them because of that same document. And once that's the case, the people then have just cause to pick up arms against said government. I mean, it's written in the Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia, meaning in good working order, not, nothing having to do with regulation from the government. You look at the words as they were applied at the time, if you're going to look at the true binding nature of the text, it said a well-regulated militia, meaning, again, in good working order, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, being necessary to the security of a free state. In other words, we're allowed to pick up arms whenever a state, whenever a local state or federal government goes rogue. And going rogue is what is happening if, in fact, we have all these people in under the trappings of officialdom disconnecting themselves from the very laws they would otherwise require the rest of us to follow. If that's the case, then all of a sudden I can see, with constitutionally protected uh, vigor and justification, Citizen squads getting together with targeted goals. Once you start having citizen squads with targeted goals seeking out to ensure that people in positions of power are not able to visit upon them tyrannical uh, punitive action, then it's Katie by the door. Am I seeing too much into this too quickly, Larry Clayman?
5: No, no, you're seeing exactly the way it is. Now, you know, we at Freedom Watch are trying to do it peacefully and legally. We're indicting Biden for bribery. But how are you doing it
4: legally? Your indictments have no binding authority under law. They have
5: have what law? In the Constitution, not the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, we declared independence based upon the law of nature and nature's God, not the law of the king, not the law of the state. We have the ultimate rights. Forget about man-made law. Sometimes it may coincide with the law of nature and nature's God, but we have the right to do it. And in 1992, Justice Scalia ruled, in a majority opinion, United States versus Williams, that the grand jury belongs to the American people, not the three branches of government. We have that ultimate right. And you know, Alan, because you participated in this, our Third Continental Congress, we have the right to declare independence again and to form a new government, a new judicial system, and to move on from this corrupt legal system that we have today. Well, th- we do, do want to hold on, on
4: to the Constitution, though, because it's the Constitution that further backs up everything you've just said. I'm a constitutionalist. I mean, any time legislative law conflicts with constitutional law, constitutional law trumps legislative law each and every time. I mean, let's face it, a, legislative, a piece of legislative law or an executive order is only as binding as it is constitutionally compliant. I think Thomas Jefferson said something along those lines that, you know, uh, if a legislative law... Uh, is is not constitutional. It's, it's automatically uh, void, null and void, or words to that effect. I haven't got the exact quotation, but I believe I'm getting it approximately correct. Isn't that fair to say?
5: It's fair to say, but let me make a caveat. If you're holding me over to the next segment, I'll tell you why there's, there's a caveat to that.
4: We are indeed. Uh, Larry Klaim is going to join us on the other side. Folks, you're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Stick with us.
6: This message is provided by Beringer Engelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer-Ingelheim's Phase 3 global. Fibronear program. To learn more about Fibronear and eligibility requirements, visit Fibronear IPF.longboat.com and Fibronear ILD.longboat.com.
7: This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math. But aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM Skills Build is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM Skills Build is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon-St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have
8: a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM SkillsBuild continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org.
9: Dear
3: John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times, when we were more active and ate more healthy foods, and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave. But unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit you quit. Sincerely, your heart.
6: Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council.
1: The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities.
4: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach, covering a number of things here right now. Manhattan DA Bragg is prosecuting Trump for violating 2016 federal campaign finance laws. Despite the statute of limitations expiring, the Fed's already finding insufficient evidence to move the case forward, and Bragg's key witness, Michael Cohn, being a convicted perjurer. So WTF? Also, former House Speaker Pelosi tweeted on Trump's indictment saying, quote, everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence, unquote. Thus, of course, uh, using an inverted burden of proof pretext for quite a moronic conclusion because uh, the order is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty and not the reverse. Isn't that the case? Also, the Missouri and Louisiana censorship case against the Biden administration heats up as witnesses testify before Congress saying that the White House and other government personnel perpetrated, quote, the largest speech censorship operation in history, unquote, which, of course, does equal tyranny, does it not? Assisting in the opining department as we uh, take a closer look at the Trump indictment, we have old friend of the show, Larry Klayman, founder and former chairman of Judicial Watch. He's also current chairman of Freedom Watch. By the way, his latest book is the highly praised work entitled It Takes a Counter-Revolution. Wake up America. Larry, appreciate you sticking around. Thanks so much.
5: You're welcome. Uh, What I was trying to say, Alan is yes our constitution is important and we need to keep it but we need to make certain changes to it and we don't need to go through a process of ratification in the 50 states because we're going to declare a new government but let me give you a couple examples we need to elect federal judges not have them appointed with bribes which is the way we do it right now political campaign contributions we need to take make it clear that there's no immunity for federal government officials or for judges Judges took this immunity from the king, the court of St. James. And I said, that because the king gave his lackey judges immunity so that they could rubber stamp his edicts, as we see today, with lackey judges on the federal bench, rubber stamping what Biden wants, whatever any president wants, they gave themselves that immunity. We need to clear that one up. Uh, and, and we need to take it away from federal government officials. We need also to give the American people standing uh, in a greater way to go to court to try to address their grievances peacefully and legally before we get into a bloody revolution. I agree with you, Alan. I'm not advocating this, but I think this country's headed into a bloody, bloody revolution. And everything is broken down, everything from our economy to rampant crime to open borders and disease to perversion in our schools with the kids Pushing transgenderism and transsexualism and homosexuality onto our children, indoctrinating them. Uh, uh, the lack of morale in the military, we're on the verge of nuclear war with China and Russia. You know, we, we don't have a government anymore. We simply do not have a government. And it's time for the American people to wake up, as I write in my book, It Takes a Counter Revolution, Wake Up America. You know, it's great to have Mark Levin's out there telling us what's what's going on. I appreciate it. You know, he he articulates himself very well. Mark has no solution, none. Okay. Yeah, I know a lot we'll of our a lot of my colleagues are
4: very good at uh, pointing out the problems, but uh, when it comes to talking about the remedies, it's a, it's 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 all of a sudden a different story. Um, and I of course yeah. I'm never I'm never I'm very very rarely critical of my uh, fellow talk hosts. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, I think most of them are fine people with. Uh, Aerodite minds, and they're, and they're doing important work. Uh, the problem I do have, though, is for the hopelessness that can overtake people who listen and say, okay, well, thank you for the litany of all the problems. Now, what do we do as uh, as a remedy? And I, and I think you're right about um, the need to uh, adjust this thing of standing. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the fact that the Louisiana, Missouri uh, v. Biden et al case has now gained standing through uh, District Judge uh, Dougherty. Um, it's very, very important. Now, standing um, it has three points of criteria. Uh, they're based on the Supreme Court ruling, uh, Lujan v. Defenders of the Wildlife, 1992. And it's a hard bar to get to. It allows too many judges, too much wiggle room to avoid hard decisions. But basically the three points of criteria, one is injury and fact. I'm truncating this all mercifully here. Uh, one is injury and fact. In other words, this is a harm that you have to show that is actual or imminent, Uh, can't just be conjectural or hypothetical. The second is causation. This is where you have to show how the harm is traceable. The harm that you've experienced is actually traceable to the controversial conduct in focus. And then finally, uh, likelihood of redress. This is where uh, the plaintiff would have to point out uh, the remedy that a court's ruling could actually offer. Um, Now, fortunately, this case holding the Biden administration and other bureaucrats accountable for censoring the American people. Um, The standing has been uh, achieved, and this case is moving forward. And I do believe that the Biden administration is really petrified of this development because there is a preponderance of evidence showing that these guys have been caught red-handed violating the First Amendment using uh, private entities as a proxy for their censorship and as you know the First Amendment uh, disallows government to censor us whether it's directly or indirectly I mean once we say uh, that oh as long as they can point out the process and that's indirect then all of a sudden they're off the hook we're all in trouble um, and I don't believe on this occasion the Biden administration is going to get away with it, although the learning curve is such where they can still do a lot of harm during the interim. Are you at all sanguine about this case, uh, Louisiana, Missouri uh, v. Biden et al., Larry Clayman?
5: I think it's important, and it's one of the few examples where you apparently have a judge who's willing to mete out the law. But in today's world now, and as I write in my book, it takes a counter revolution. wake up America, which you can get at freedomwatchusa.org with a contribution, or get it on Amazon, wherever you want to get it, these judges are corrupt. Ninety-nine percent of them are corrupt. They've been corrupted politically, either on the Democrat side or the Republican side. And you can guess their decision-making based upon who appointed them to the bench. And, you know, in the case of this guy in New York City, this judge who was appointed to the Trump case, he's got no chance at all at having this thing dismissed. And, you know, the appellate court in New York, same thing. It's, it's, it's an inquisition in New York. The New York Bar Association, just like the D.C. Bar Association, is trying to remove any conservative or pro-Trump lawyer from the bar, despite, you know, the efforts that it took to get them their license and their years of practice. Uh, we are in a revolutionary mode, Alan. This was the, the, the first shot that was fired, really, to, to really take it over the top. You know, I got to tell you, uh,
4: Harvard, Harvard, uh, famed Harvard uh, law professor uh, emeritus and liberal supporter of Joe Biden, Alan Dershowitz, Professor Dershowitz, we've had him on our show a number of times. Uh, he says about the Trump indictment, "quote It's the worst, weakest, most abusive case of prosecutorial indiscretion." He adds that in my 60 years of practicing law, I have never seen a weaker case. He further stated that I have never seen a case that would so uh, that would be so easy to win if the person's name was not Donald Trump and the city was not in New York. There's a risk he could lose with some kind of squirrel jury in New York who will be terrified to go uh, come home to their family and friends and say, We acquitted Trump. But, and that's the end of the quotation. But what Dershowitz didn't mention, though he's obviously aware of it, is that this court, this first court, would not be the final word. Trump would not only have the state appellate and and, and state Supreme Court. To throw out the otherwise self-invalidating case, but then uh, the U.S. federal district, as well as appellate and then Supreme Court venues. I mean, am I correct in saying that the lowest federal district court is traditionally the first venue for those wishing to appeal a state support uh, a state Supreme Court ruling?
5: No, it would, it would, this would be within the state system, in all likelihood. it wouldn't go to the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court. Very unlikely.
4: I don't know, because of the uh, crossover of state to federal, they're trying to prosecute uh, Trump for violating a federal law. So I think that in and of itself would validate the crossover. Not only that, there's still 14th Amendment uh, issues that could also validate it. Never enough time. Thanks,
7: Larry. Small and medium-sized enterprises face several challenges today, not the least of which is security. In a recent survey, more than 42% of small enterprises said they experienced a cyber attack within the last year. There are many reasons small enterprises are vulnerable to security threats, including limited IT employees and low investment in security. The open directory platform provider JumpCloud advises that IT unification is one of the best actions these organizations can take to affordably shore up their defenses. JumpCloud Director of Product Management, Tom Bridge.
2: IT unification is an affordable, manageable, and effective means of preventing cyber attacks. Unifying your IT stack makes access to your most sensitive resources more confidential, secure, and easier to monitor. At the end of the day, it gives small to medium sized enterprises a much simpler method for detecting and addressing
3: security threats.
7: To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com.
3: Spring is in the air and now's the time to spring forward with a delicious breakfast from Burger King and all-natural Simply Orange juice. Begin your day with a sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich with sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant. Or a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit on a warm buttermilk biscuit. And make it a meal. All Burger King breakfast sandwiches go great with crispy hash browns and pair perfectly with a Simply Orange juice with no added sugar. Never sweetened, never concentrated, and never frozen. Simply Orange goes perfectly with breakfast at Burger King and is rich in vitamin C and now through March 31st on the BK app, Royal Perks members get a free single course sandwich with any simply orange juice purchase. Use code Breakfast to redeem. Get a jump on spring with Breakfast at Burger King. Because you rule at participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Royal Perks account required. Restrictions apply. See offer terms for details. Not valid on delivery orders. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. <laughs>
4: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Delighted you could be with us. Well, uh, we have some strange stuff going on in the country. Manhattan DA Bragg is uh, prosecuting Trump for violating the 2016 federal campaign finance laws. Despite the statute of limitations expiring, uh, the Fed's already finding insufficient evidence to move the case forward, and and Bragg's key witness, Michael Cohn, being a convicted perjurer. So you have to imagine well, what the F is going on here. Also, former House Speaker Pelosi tweeted on Trump's indictment, Everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. <laughs> I mean, you know, she pretty much used an inverted burden to prove pretext for a moronic conclusion. I mean, obviously, the order is supposed to be uh, innocent until proven guilty, not the reverse. Uh, she mentioned this on Twitter and boy, she was slammed for it. I mean, you don't even need to be a first year law student to catch on to just how imbecilic and brain dead is, what she stated. Uh, and, and yet she's, she's not going to suffer much from it. I mean, yeah, she's going to be humiliated right now, but, um, the, you know, the, the, the memory span over this is going to be quite abridged. I'm sure. Also, the Missouri and Louisiana censorship case against the Biden administration heats up as witnesses testify before Congress saying that the White House and other government personnel perpetrated, quote, the largest speech censorship operation in history, unquote. Folks, doesn't that equal tyranny by every measure on the planet? Um, if indeed it's true, which I believe it is. I mean, boy, these guys really have one hell of a case. Uh, they've been given standing, which means it's, it's Katie by the door. This case will not be derailed there's such a preponderance of evidence proving that this white house and its emissaries and other government agencies have been caught red-handed coercing big tech to censor americans and if the american government is not allowed to violate our first amendment rights directly that means it's also not allowed to violate those rights indirectly i mean if all they have to do to get away with it is say well this is a process well then (laughs) just the word process alone is all the government would need to no longer be in violation of our first amendment rights, even as they're violating those first amendment rights. Now, perhaps my next guest would disabuse me of that. Uh, We'll find out right now. His old friend of the show, Tom Schatz, uh, president of citizens against government waste. His editorials on fiscal policies have appeared in publications nationwide. We're talking in the New York times, the wall street journal. He's also testified on numerous occasions concerning government waste issues before well, really, both congressional committees and regulatory bodies. Tom Schatz, great to have you back, buddy. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great, Alan. Thanks.
4: Um, obviously, you know, we want to get into the um, uh, the Trump fiasco, and, and, and I will get into that in just a bit. But uh, that's all obscuring, and maybe th- it's been done for a purpose, to obscure what I think would otherwise be more dominant in the headlines. And that is that uh, Louisiana and Missouri uh, are, are are just... Uh, are, are are just on, on, on a hardcore path against the Biden administration. The House Weaponization Committee, investigating government uh, censoring of Americans, uh, really by big tech proxy, have been listening to testimony from plaintiffs in this case called Louisiana and Missouri v. Biden et al. Now, one of the witnesses uh, was this uh, former Missouri Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, who's now that state's recently elected senator. Uh, He was joined by current Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry and as well as uh, former Missouri Deputy Attorney General uh, for Special Litigation D. John Sauer. Um, And as you know, I'm sure, the the case was first filed uh, May of last year. And they've actually been enjoying court-approved depositions ever since and most recently also had a federal judge grant them uh, formal standing. So, again, we really are off to the races. And they called it, the plaintiffs call it, quote, the most important free speech lawsuit of this generation, and and you know, given the tonnage of already partly published testimony they've secured from both resistant FBI agents and willing whistleblowers, perhaps that description is more accurate than not. What say you, Tom Schatz?
0: Oh, I I agree. I mean, this this whole weaponization committee work is really uh, important because when the government starts violating First Amendment rights or allegedly does so, that needs to be exposed uh, because if this administration can do this again if that happened uh then any administration can do it and and honestly that same principle applies to uh former president trump if they're getting him on whatever this might be what are they going to go after joe biden when he <laughs> is no longer president right it's neither of them are very very good for the country i think
4: i gotta tell you uh this evidence against biden though is really uh quite formidable uh Um, They say, the plaintiffs say their evidence proved that uh, uh, Biden and company, quote, colluded with social media giants Meta, Twitter, and YouTube to censor free speech in the name of combating so-called disinformation and misinformation. Now, given that the Twitter files also show government actors uh, calling for these actions in their own words and that these acts would only bolster the plaintiffs' claims of government censorship by big tech proxy, it would seem... That their case against the Biden government has become exponentially that much stronger, has it not? Especially with this latest uh, federal judge giving the formally giving them standing. Tom Schatz.
0: Well, it's, that's true. But uh, you know, if, if people may recall the FBI was saying that, "Oh, we do this all the time; it's routine." Uh, who knows? Uh, it's not particularly helpful either. It's informative, as in they're telling uh, these platforms don't do this or don't do that based on some evidence we have that it's subversive or illegal or whatever or it's expressing the opinion of the administration in power as to what is and what is not true and that's what we're really trying to find out
4: well they're talking about this rob flaherty who's white house director of digital strategy is a prime example of what they're talking about i'll tell you what let's hear a little clip uh, focusing on this Uh, Let's go to clip two, James. This is going to be Representative Greg Stube. I think it's Stube, S-T-E-U-B-E. He's a Republican out of Florida. He notes that Democrats might be irritated about this uh, information, uh, but they're going to have to suck up and take it nonetheless. Uh, And um, he points out that this has been provided to the committee by John Sauer, again, the Louisiana Special Assistant AG, former Missouri Solicitor General. Um, Clip two, James, if you please.
9: The Biden administration and and these emails, um, much to the chagrin of my colleagues on the other side, who say there's no evidence that Mr. Flattery um, was working with Facebook. I mean, these emails that you put are actually part of your uh, statement today. Is that correct? That is correct. And and, I mean, you have conversations here about content. You have conversations here about vaccines. You have Facebook sharing uh, attachments and research with Mr. Flattery. You have Mr. Flattery uh, telling them, I think, like actually telling them what, facebook should be doing and i'll just read a quick expert and excerpt and again this is in the materials that you provide to the committee uh generally i think some combo of the following would be effective some kind of thing that puts the news in context if folks have seen it like covid news panel i mean he's directing facebook of how they should promulgate information uh, which i would say is disinformation but their opinion on certain information uh and there's it's right there in your in your testimony that you've given here today
4: uh, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, they're using the guy's own words to disabuse the Democrats of an assumption they'd otherwise uh, prefer to embrace. Uh, this goes, you know, to quite an extent in the, in the proving of their case, does it not, sir?
0: Well, it, it might, but I think that it's something that has to be played out because they could say, and I'm not saying they're right. I'm just kind of giving up this. Life. They could say, look, we just provided this information. We didn't force them to agree to it. It's the job of the communications director to convey this to the platform, so they could make it sound more innocent than it might be. Uh, so it, it's always tough to say when somebody's making, sending information from the White House, whether or not it's trying to quote unquote force them to say X Y Z or violate free speech. It doesn't look good, uh, and I don't think prior administrations have done this. But that's also what they're going to argue with the Biden White House: Hey, you know, Trump did this or Clinton did this. Well, let's see that evidence.
4: I know, but uh, when we look at other emails that have been a part of the equation, perhaps uh, those other emails more saliently make the case uh, because uh, we see in other emails from Biden's director of digital strategy, again, Rob Flaherty, Flaherty that he does seem to have pushed Facebook, uh, Facebook's uh, executive hierarchy to be as censorial as needed. He wrote, quote, I care mostly about what actions and changes you're making to ensure you're not making our country's vaccine hesitancy problem worse. I still don't have a good empirical answer on how effective you've been at reducing the spread of vaccine-skeptical content and misinformation to vaccine-fence-sitters, Now, this guy obviously forgets two things. First, uh, Mm -hmm. even wrongfully grounded arguments are protected under the First Amendment. uh, But also, secondly, he's forgetting that Accusations of misinformation must be shown and not merely declared. Otherwise, those actions become the perfect tool for any schmuck to shut down free speech. So am I accurate about this reptilian near do well or am I being too unkind? He does seem <laughs> to have very, very directly uh, pressured uh, an outlet to censor speech. Now, they can preface their actions all they want by saying, well, this is what we always do. But I don't believe that that general response... Satisfies the specific observation (laughs) that their words were most assuredly uh, pressuring an outlet to censor Americans. Where am I mistaken? Time shots.
0: Well, again, they do that with every media outlet. They try to tell them what to do and think. So it's not just the platforms, it's even traditional media. That's not unusual.
4: Well, it may not be unusual, but then all we're saying is it's not unusual for them to have been violating the very First Amendment. They're not permitted to do so. They can lobby their own messages all they want. They can't lobby for the crushing of counter messages.
7: Stick with us. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager, JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara.
1: Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices and cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap
7: between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com.
8: Find out more at nsc.org slash CallSkill.
2: I'm Ben Affleck and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed
1: Veterans of America. Our vets need you.
8: I'm a quadriplegic.
2: I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity.
11: I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system.
2: I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's it's just heavy, you know, it's it's a heavy, it's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is.
10: Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for that.
11: I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now.
10: We all got
9: to help each other right now.
2: We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. And then it's a chilling moment. The fact is that over months of investigation, we have not heard of other crimes. Uh, This is the crime that uh, most people on both the right and the left have been debating. Uh, It's the crime that's referenced in a book written by one of the prosecutors who resigned then published a book about prosecuting Trump. Uh, And the concern is that if this theory is actually the basis of the indictment, then this is a rather ignoble moment in history. Donald Trump may be the first former president to be indicted, but if this is the standard, he won't be the last. And it's going to obviously get uh, very fierce uh, in terms of the motions and the litigation ahead of us, and obviously the politics. You know, it's it's a curious thing, by the way, to lead with this case because it, you know, the chaos that is erupting is pretty much the element for Donald Trump.
4: I mean, it's like trying to
2: kill an orca by throwing him into the water. (laughs)
4: <laughs> That's a beautiful metaphor. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. <clears throat> Pardon me. We were listening to the uh, erudite musings of oh uh, guests on this show. We haven't had them on for a while, but I'd like to have them back. There's uh, one Jonathan Turley, George Washington University uh, law professor, a writer, commentator. Uh, he was on Fox News' a special report with Brett Baer, and he says that, uh, after months of investigation, we've only heard of one crime that the prosecutor would charge against Trump. He says that if this is the standard for indicting a former president, then uh, more will be indicted from this point on. He further states that the environment uh, this creates is ideal for Trump uh, to campaign it. And then he gives us the uh, orca throwing, you know, it's like trying to kill a, uh, an orca whale by throwing it into the water. Uh, but clearly, you're actually just putting him into his element. And it it screams the question, at what point do we start holding a rebellious government accountable for its oppression of us? I mean, we've never needed a permission slip from our oppressors to stop their oppression. Uh, And the very moment you have leaders who disconnect themselves from the very laws that require the rest of us to follow, that's when tyranny is taken over. And this is kind of a frightening proposition. I mean, nobody wants to go in this direction. (laughs) Nobody wants to go in this direction at all. The bottom line is we may only constitutionally revolt against government. In other words, use the Second Amendment option to maintain the security of a free state. It is written in there when we're justified. But we can only constitutionally revolt against the government when that government essentially severs itself from the very laws it requires the rest of us to follow, while also becoming immune to its own normal checks and balances, uh, which, of course, brings about the very tyranny to which I'm referring. The big question is, are we headed there yet? Now, before I get to my next illustrious guest, let me share another clip uh, that deals with this issue. This is a guest who was on Fox News' Tucker Carlson Tonight, one Ned Ryan. uh, I believe I've had him on, R-Y-U-N. He's from uh, an American majority. And he says the indictment of Trump is uh, targeting a political opponent because of uh, policy differences. And that equal justice under the law is essentially dead. Uh, clip five, James, if you please. Well, they're targeting a political opponent over policy differences. The un-American left is ushering in a new era of pure power politics uh, in which they've decided rule of law, equal application of it is dead. I, I would argue, Tucker, we're, we're really living an illusion of a constitutional republic than the actual reality of it. And now the, the real rules of the game are 100 percent law is a weapon. And I think the real question I have is, are red state AGs and DAs prepared to wage this war of lawfare? And I don't want to hear any of them say, ooh, it's icky. We're better than that. If Whoever says that, I really believe doesn't know what time it is because we're in a Cold War, Civil War era in this country uh, in which we have to decide and commit to the policy of mutually assured destruction. Democrats are launching nukes at us. We better decide we're launching nukes back at them until they stop. So it it screams a couple of observations here. Uh but uh I'll tell you what, before I get to them, uh let me go ahead and uh take us to our guest uh, who is none other than Lee Williams, chief editor of the Second Amendment Foundation's investigative reporting project. Uh, he's also a frequent contributor to Ammo Land News and Armed Radio, Armed American Radio, additionally known as The Gun Rider. And has been writing about firearm issues for oh, about a decade or so. And uh, Lee Williams, good to have you on board. How are you today?
5: Good, sir. It's good to be here. You know, two, three years ago, we never had discussions like this openly. They were whispered at the most. But now uh, these type of what are we going to do conversations are commonplace. And that should trouble every one of your listeners.
4: Well, it, it, it should. But... We do have a constitutional uh, Second Amendment option if it becomes necessary. As you know better than most, the Second Amendment is not there for our hunting rights. Again, that's a well-regulated militia, well-regulated, of course, as you know, meaning in good working order, have an F all to do with the government regulating us. Uh, That's what the language was at the time, in good working order. But let's face it, each one of these ten protections of ours in the Bill of Rights are all individual. I doubt very much if this one particular protection was somehow collective or, or was up for the federal government to monitor. Um, but a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Again, being necessary to the security of a free state, which means that we're able to use the Second Amendment option to protect ourselves any we're subjected to either a rogue local state or federal government. Now, the woke infiltrating government... Uh, screams a question, because they use a lot of inverted burden of proof constructs for their justifications. Like Nancy Pelosi recently saying that Trump has a right uh, to go to trial and prove his innocence. Well, clearly that's an inverted burden of proof construct. Uh, no, I'm sorry, it's incumbent upon the state to prove his guilt. All right? It's not incumbent upon him to prove his innocence, but that being put aside given that the Constitution only permits the American people to use the Second Amendment option against the tyrannical government, again, to ensure what's, quote-unquote, necessary to the security of a free state. i gotta, I got to ask you, sir, how much more tyrannical does the DOJ and FBI and other law enforcement entities and other components of the judiciary, if you will, have to become, you know, disconnecting themselves from the very laws that require the rest of us to follow, how much more tyrannical does the DOJ and FBI have to become, before that might happen i ask you
5: i don't think they can become any more tyrannical i look at joe right now as holding a grenade in his hand he's pulled the pin he's holding the spoon down every time there's a tragedy like just occurred in nashville he's he's talking about an assault weapon ban and if he pursues that that would be letting go of the spoon of that grenade there are 450 million firearms in this country ars are of course the most popular Uh, Supposedly one in 20 Americans owns one. How does he propose to get rid of them? Confiscation? It uh, it
2: does not bode well.
4: Well, as I've said before, you're right. We have well over 400 million guns in this country, and a comforting majority of them are not owned by the gun-controlling left. (laughs) I mean, let's hope cooler heads prevail, because no sane person wants a war. Then again, isn't it fair to observe that sanity has proven to be a diminishing resource in government these days? I mean, just look at the administration's woke, inverted, burden-of-proof structure in all arguments. That's got to stop. You're listening to the Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network.
0: The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-043 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.